Good morning, church. I greet you in the name of Jesus. I'm grateful to God to have this opportunity to share with you on this uh, Mission Sunday. I know that uh, when it's Mission Sunday, sometimes we get a little squirrely to say amen. You're just like, God, please don't call me to Africa. Please don't call me to China. And I can just, you guys can rest assured, I've kind of assessed most of you, and it's okay. You don't need to go. Um, I want to introduce a couple of friends of mine that are part of the Catalyst for Africa team. The first is my right arm and my, my helper. Her name is Shannon Ryan. She's my administrative assistant. I'm going to embarrass you and ask you just to stand up real quick. That's Shannon. Y'all say, God, pray for her. She has to work with me. And then my dear brother, Esaho Kapuki, who's from the Democratic Republic of Congo, but who serves in northern Togo with his wife, Beatrice, working among uh, women helping to train them in uh, so many things and also young men and doing leadership development with the church of Saho Kapuki. And then my dear brother Stephen Ojo from Nigeria. This is his first time to be in America, so please welcome Stephen Ojo from Nigeria. Stephen is with the Assemblies of God, and uh, he serves as a lecturer in a seminary in Lagos. Yep, and we met together in April. It's our first time, and um, it's just been amazing. We invited 11 Africans to come over for a leadership strategy meeting, and uh, three of them were refused at the U.S. Embassy. One of Stephen's colleagues travels to Thailand all the time, Stephen had never applied for a U.S. visa, and the fact that he received the favor, there's some miracle in store for you, brother. And uh, we welcome you, and uh, we're glad this is his first time. Isaho used to be a professor at Payne College in Augusta, and uh, he's kind of a multicultural fellow whose birth country is Congo, but he's lived in the States, and he's got an amazing testimony of how God rescued him out of the Democratic Republic of Congo under Mobutu's regime, and uh, God's led him now to serve in northern Togo. So just wanted to introduce some of my friends that are standing with us today, and um, we're, we're glad that you guys are here. Thank you so much. Blessings. So when, it, when we talk about missions, I know that, as I said, many of you kind of feel a little uneasy, and I, I was thinking about kind of where we are with Christianity and what, what does it really mean when, when we say, why were we converted? What was our conversion for? You ever think about that? Like, why did I give my heart to Christ? For what purpose am I a Christian? And I know, you know, if you look at it on a continuum and you say, in this place, if I'm not on the stage, I'm lost in my sin, I'm selfish, I'm self-centered, I'm doing whatever I want to do. And then there comes a place in my life where I come into a crisis moment where I say, God, I need you to be my Savior. And you cross that bridge, and we have that illustration of the cross of Christ, and we cross the bridge from death to life. And for many of us, I think this is kind of the place where we sort of settle. And it kind of becomes what we consider like life insurance, like Fire insurance, so we don't burn in hell. And there's not, how many times you heard a sermon about burning in hell and all that? We hadn't heard that too much lately, at least I haven't. Um, but it, it's like many of us kind of get stuck in that place. It's like, well, I came from death to life, and then this is kind of it for me. 
And then there's the other place on the other continuum, which is kind of my world, where ten and a half, well, no, not now, but 15, 16 years ago, my wife and I, we, we didn't sell our house. We rented it, and then it burned to the ground, and uh, it really did. And we kind of left everything and went and served in Ghana, West Africa for 10 years. And so we have this sort of fire insurance to sell everything and go live among the poor benighted Africans. Right, Stephen? You know that Nigeria is the fastest growing nation of Christianity in the world. More people are coming to Christ in Nigeria than in any other country in the world. Praise the Lord. But, but some of us, you know, when you think about missions, it's like, okay, so where am I on this continuum? Am I just living in kind of the fire insurance? Or am I a far-flung field of foreign service crazy person that says, God, I'm selling everything, I'm going to go, and I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do? Where is it that God's calling each of us? And, and I want that to be a place where I think the Holy Spirit wants to take you today. That you would know where God has called you and what place God has called you to hear his voice, to obey, and to do and be whatever God's called you to do and be. I remember when I was 13 years old, I attended the, used to be called youth camp, for those of us that were a part of First Methodist many years ago, and then it became summer camp, and I think now it's one camp. Is that right? Uh, it's been a long time. But I remember there was a fellow named Rural Osley when I was 13, and he, he asked this question to the campers. Are you at a place right now where you can say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, and I'll go anywhere you want me to go, and I'll do whatever you want me to do? And I remember as a 13-year-old kid, you remember that time? And I had no idea, but I, I knew at that point I just wanted to say, God. You, you take my life. I don't know where, when, how, but I want to surrender that to you. And so I want to give that to you today as part of the tension of where I think the Holy Spirit wants to bring us today to that place. When you see yourself on this continuum, there's a place where I think God is saying to us as a church, are you willing to go anywhere? Are you willing to do anything? Are you willing to, to just lay it on the line so that God can use you? Does that mean that he wants you to forsake your job and go serve in a foreign place? For a few of you, maybe, but for most of us, no. Say amen to that. And that, that there are lost people all around you that God wants to use you to reach them. You know, I, I used to, when I would go and speak and talk about missions, and, and I'd say, you know, how many introverts are in the house? And nobody would raise their hand. They're just like, I ain't doing it. How many extroverts do we have this morning? None? Oh, there's four of us. You know, and I think about we extroverts. You know, when you think about trying to share your faith with someone, introverts, let's just be honest, don't like when extroverts come up to them. Say amen. It just doesn't feel right. I know that because I've done that so many times to introverts, and I can pick up on it. It's like, whoa, slow down, back off. Give me some space. You don't have to ask 30 questions to me. Leave me alone. And so, but the reality is for a lot of us who are introverts, you have an amazing gift to reach introverts because I'm not very good at that. But God wants to use you, introverts, to reach other introverts. And you don't and can't make the excuse, 
sharing my faith, that's not my deal because I'm an introvert. Well, that's hogwash because God wants to use you introverts to reach lost introverts. Okay? And the other thing that I wanted to share with you before we get into the word this morning is, is about the big three of missions. You know what the big three are? Pray, give, and go. Right? Those are the big three of missions. When you think about missions, every missionary worth their weight and salt says, pray for us, pray for us, pray for us. That's what missionaries long for. If I said to Stephen, Stephen, what's the one thing, and Asaha, what's the one thing you want the church to do for you? They'll say, pray for us. Pray for our ministry. Pray that God would protect our families. Pray. The second is give. You know, that, that we would be able to give either by writing a check or giving our time, giving our service, giving part of our lives. And I know there's a, a stigma in the church that missionaries and pastors are kind of professional beggars. And that's a, that's a sad reality to me that that's what kind of the world thinks about missions, that, that it's just about asking and give me something. But, but really, those are the two things that, that really all of us can participate in. I think the big kind of problematic issue is the one about going, isn't it? Because it's like, I don't really, you know, when I look at this piece of paper that we have, each of you has, and you look through this list and you're like, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, Lexington, Tanzania, Kenya. I just don't know if really God's calling me to go to those places. I want to say to you today, I don't want to let you off the hook, church, but what I want to say to you is that God has a place for you to go. Do you understand that? God has a place for you to go to do ministry. I know from the heart of your pastor, David, and if you're a visitor here for the first time, please come back because this is not normal. <laughs> I am not he, and he is a great pastor that does a great job leading us through God's word. But, but I do know this, that his heart for you all and for us is that we would be so surrendered to him that wherever he says for us to go, we're going to go. He calls it doing your deal. And for some of you, God has a purpose and plan for you to do your deal which may be going to your workplace. It may be just being in your home and ministering life to your spouse and to your children. It may be walking through the streets of Marietta and reaching somebody that David Eldridge could never reach or that I could never reach or Stephen Ojo could never reach. But it's a place and a purpose that God wants to use you. So the last thing I want to challenge you before we get into God's Word is that you would be willing today... To say, God, whatever it is that you want to do in my life, I just want to give it to you. And I want to trust you to use me however you want to do that. And I pray that as we get through this service, that the Holy Spirit would speak to you and minister to you and encourage you and challenge you and break you and melt you and mold you more into his image. Would you pray with me now as we begin to look in God's word? So, God, in these next few moments that we revisit this passage of scripture in Acts, God, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would speak life to us, that we would hear your voice, that we would respond to you, not out of guilt, not out of condemnation, not out of shame, but just out of love, out of a simple response that we would respond to you because you're a loving God and you care about us and you long to reach 
lost people with the gospel. And so, God, we trust you with our lives. We trust you with this word. We pray that it would be like a double-edged sword dividing asunder to the joints and marrow to the very discerning of our thoughts. God, speak to us through your word today, and we trust you for all these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. So let's look at Acts chapter 1. Um, before we read through this, just to remind you again, our pastor David last week said we're going to be taking a, a break on going through the book of Acts, that we are right now around Acts 20, and we're going to pick that up in January. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at Advent and Thanksgiving and all that. But, but we're just doing a, a review, since this is Mission Sunday, of this passage, Acts 1, 1 through 8. And I think there's some things, I wasn't here when David preached this and whatever it was that he spoke on during Acts 1, 1 through 8, maybe I'm going to say the same thing and maybe you need to hear it again. So let's look at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And, and this is Luke writing this. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of, his, ends of the earth. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You know, when I think about that passage and I think about the disciples and Luke writing this story, it's amazing to me to think about the, the 12 disciples that Jesus chose to follow him. First of all, how many of them were priests? How many of them were prophets? Zero. They were all fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were run-of-the-mill business people, normal blokes, just like me and you. And that's what I love about the gospel. That's what I love about Jesus, who was really the son of a carpenter. And he didn't rise up through the ranks of priesthood. He was just an ordinary bloke like us. And he chose these disciples and he poured into their lives, 12 men and a handful of women that don't get a lot of press time, Mary Magdalene being one of those, and Mary, his mother. And, and they, they spent three years going around and basically just doing life together. When you think about Jesus and what was his purpose on earth, I, I really fully believe it wasn't to do the miracles and to lay hands on the sick and cast out demons. I believe it was just to be in relationship with those handful of people that he had. And in this passage, as we look at what Luke's trying to convey to us, these are some of Jesus' last words. And he says to them this command I want to give to you. He says, around a, a supper table. It wasn't, you know, sometimes in, in 
when we're, we're, we're in the church, we feel like the only way we can hear from God is from this person who's standing up here as the mouthpiece of God. That That's the only way you can hear from God. And I love that Jesus, when he's giving kind of his most important command, was just sitting around a table. I mean, he was at Marietta Pizza Company having a piece of pizza, and he bites into a pepper and goes, whoa. And then he just says to the fellas and a couple of the ladies, listen, I want you to remember this. Wait in Jerusalem. For in a few days, you will receive the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what he said? Am I making that up? Somebody help me. In a few days, you will receive the Holy Wait in Jerusalem. For in a few days, you will receive the gift my father promised you, of which I spoke about. And he says, John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is that what, am I making that up? Just at least shake your head one way or the other. That's what he said to these disciples. And, and I love, I mean, it's a command. It's not an if. And there's a lot of words there that are saying, will, you will be and, and the Holy Spirit will come on you, just as my Father promised. The gift I talked about, John baptized with water, but in a few days, you don't get angry in your family. You might if things, you know, were right, right? No, he said you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He was talking to Peter, who had denied him three times. He's talking to John, and he was talking to Thomas, who doubted. He was talking to all those disciples, and he said you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love how Luke conveys this story because the disciples, do you know what their response to Jesus was? He's given them this kind of last command. What does he say to them? I wonder if George is going to beat Auburn. Amen. Amen. I just had to throw that in there. But really, I mean, I shared this in the 11 o'clock and I have, I don't, I don't really have notes when I share and some of you are like helping Jesus. But I thought about Stephen as a world history teacher, and he's kind of eyes wide open and the whole Civil War issue. But if you could just take this illustration for a moment that Jesus was a southerner and his disciples were rebels and they were rebelling against the northern army who were the Romans. And those Romans were vicious and ruthless and brutal in their authority. If you stood against the Roman Empire, you were destroyed, whether you were crucified or you were stripped or you were flogged. Or when Jesus said, if someone, if a Roman soldier walks up to you and says, take my coat and walk with me a mile, Jesus says, walk with him another. A Roman soldier could walk up to any person they wanted to and say, take my cloak. And by law, you had to do it or they would run you through and say, you're an animal. I'll kill you. And so there's this mentality of the disciples who lived with Jesus for three years and he talked about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of the south, not we're going to take over the Romans, we're going we're to overthrow the Roman Empire. He talked about the kingdom of God and he talked about a new command I give you to love one another. And so as he's telling them this last command, wait. For you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. They go, by God, when are we going to take care of that northern army of aggression? That's literally the mentality of what the disciples were thinking. And Jesus says in his grace, listen, it's not for you to know the times or the dates set. 
that my father, and then this verse 8 that I love, I call it the biggest but in the Bible. And it is. Jesus says in Acts 1.8, forget about what you're thinking in your mind. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Not if. He says, you will receive power and you will be filled with my spirit and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Is it an if? Is it a maybe? Hello? No. It's an absolute. Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Did they have any idea what they were about to experience? Shake your head like this. They didn't. And then he says, but you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Doesn't that excite you, church? Don't you just want to go and take a a 50-pound Bible and go out on the streets of Marietta and just cram the Bible down somebody's throat and tell them, turn or burn, you're going to hell? (laughs) Isn't that what the kingdom of God's all about? No, it's not. It's It's about life and it's about relationship. Jesus said in Matthew 28, in that other missions passage, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. I'm just asking you this morning, church. Are you making disciples? What does that mean to you if somebody says, hey, are you making disciples? You're like, dude, whoa. What do you mean? You know, I'm a, I'm a school teacher. I'm not making disciples. I'm, a, I'm an accountant. I don't, I, that's your job. Is that what Jesus said? Jesus said to those disciples, that little ragtag group of fishermen, that ragtag group of accountants and people, and he said, look, you're going to change the world. You're going to make disciples. I like to associate it as like making friends. Any of you guys make friends? And I'm not talking about clicking on Facebook. I'm talking about like really making friends. And I'll I'll just tell you my little secret that I've used in my life. Everywhere I go in the world, I use three questions that I use to share my faith. You ready for this? You want to write this down? The first question is, what's your name? It's a very simple question. Let's just pretend for a moment I didn't know Ruth Ann and I. Ruth Allen, I mean, sorry, Ruth Ann. I don't. (laughs) Ruth Allen. And I'm just like in the Publix, and I see her, and I just walk up, and I say, hey, what's your name? Ruth Allen. Hi, Ruth Allen. My name's Michael. And I just say, hey, you know, I just saw you with those kids, and I have have mercy on you for all those children you have. (laughs) And I just say, hey, I'm from Marietta. Where are you from? You're from Marietta. That's cool. Where'd you go to high school? Cool. Me too. So we have this connection. And so I'm talking to Ruth Allen. What would you say? So, so the first question is, what's your name? The second question is, where are you from? And sometimes people don't know where they're from. Just ask them, where'd you put your hand in the dirt when you were a little kid? And that kind of helps them to know where they're from. If they're military kids, forget it. But they'll say where they're from. And if, you know, in the first service, somebody was from Austin, Texas, and I said, you know, what about the bushes? And are they, you know, whatever. You just make up some connection 
that you can have with people. If they're from Idaho, you talk about potatoes. If they're from Washington, you talk about apples, if whatever. And so the third question, though, the third question that we would normally ask in America is, what do you do? Can I just say to you, church, never, ever ask that question. Kill that question out of your vocabulary. Because we, as Americans, and it's a global thing. If, I, if you were to ask Stephen, if we were in Nigeria, the same thing would be true. The same thing for Asaho in Congo or in Togo. If they said, as they're interacting with their brothers and sisters, what do you do? And Stephen comes up and the guy says, I'm a judge or I'm a lawyer. Then Stephen, as a pastor, goes, oh, okay. Do you understand? That, that when we ask that question, what do you do, it puts us on a kind of a a hierarchical category, if I walk up to Bo, who used to be a chicken seller, and now he's a worship leader, and I say, well, I'm executive director of a nonprofit organization, who's more powerful? You know, Bo is. (laughs) Who said that? I heard that, Robin. So the reality is, though, we do that, and it's, it's condemnable, people. It's wrong. And so I want to encourage you. Here's the question you want to replace it with. You want to ask this question, what are you passionate about? Because honestly, I want to tell you, when we're trying to reach lost people, write this down. Lost people don't care that you're a believer. They don't care. What they care about is, do you really care about me or do you care about converting me? So if I ask you, Ruth Allen, without speaking Christianese, what are you passionate about? Besides Bo, what are you passionate about? Um, Connecting people. people. So she's one of those networkers. So if I come up and I say, hey, I'm looking for somebody that sews, she goes, oh, I got somebody that sews, and let me get you in touch with. So that's her passion. If I ask Stephen, Stephen, what are you passionate about? Football. (laughs) That's not American football. That's Nigerian global football. That's soccer. And what's your favorite European team? Man, you, and I'm Chelsea, so we are the champion. Not really. (laughs) But we have some connection where, listen, men and women, Jesus said to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to make friends with lost people. I want to give you permission, church, that God would change your mind and your eyes, that you would begin to reach lost people. That you wouldn't compromise your virtue, you wouldn't compromise your integrity, but that God would give you a new vision to reach lost people. God wants to use you to reach lost people, not just whacked out people like me that wear weird clothes and travel all over the world. Amen? God wants to use you. And I want to, I want to, I want to encourage you today that God would give you a new passion about making friends with lost people. And that as you finish that conversation, and I've met Ruth Allen, we're from the same hometown, and she's passionate about networking with people. I just say to her, and just pretend for a moment, she's lost. And I say, Ruth Allen, it was great to meet you, and thank you for sharing your story. I just want you to know, I go to one of the coolest churches on the planet, and you're invited anytime. It's up where Jimmy the Greeks used to be. It's on the square. And, and then I say, just as a passing moment, without trying to force Jesus down her throat, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? And you'll say, yeah, pray for me and my kids. You know, they're just like 
They're killing me. <laughs> a little prophetic word of knowledge. You know, but, but honestly, I want to say to you, men and women, people all around you are dying for people to show that they really care about them. Do you understand? They want to know that you really do want to pray for them. I shared this before when I preached here one time that I was flying home from Ghana and I was in the plane with, uh, think of her name, Selena Gomez. So I was, some of you are like, who's that? She dated the Beeb. <laughs> so I didn't know who she was. And so she was still Wizards of Waverly. She hadn't started dating the Beeb. This was years ago. But she was sitting with her mom and her stepdad. And so I was sitting with her stepdad, and we were just talking. And I just said, you know, so what brings you to Ghana? And she tells the story. And, I mean, he tells the story. And he said, you know, my, my stepdaughter is a celebrity. And I was like, that's cool. And um, she's like, He's on, she's on Wizards of Waverly. And I'm like, I don't know that. My son Luke was like eight or nine, and he watched the twins, Casey and Corey or whatever, the Disney. What was it? You know, you never said. Anyway, we didn't know who Selena was. So all that to say, with Selena's stepdad, I'm sitting there and, and I'm not saying, hey, brother, I'm a pastor. Do you know Jesus? I just said, hey, how's it going with Selena's mom? How's the, the marriage? And he said, it's great, but we can't get pregnant. And so I was like, yes, Jesus. I didn't say that. I just inside. So I just, as the flight went on and he's eating his food and watching a movie or whatever, a little bit later, I just said, hey, Brian, I I just want you to know, you know, sometimes I say I'm a priest because I'm just trying to relate because there's more Catholic influence, you know, and they kind of get that. And then I say sometimes I'm a pastor. But I said, hey, can I pray for you and for your, that you and your wife will have a baby? I love praying for people. He goes, sure. I said, well, can I pray for you right now? And he goes, sure. What's he going to do? You know, it's like... I'm going to the bathroom and hang out for six hours. <laughs> so he says yes, and I pray for Brian and let it go. And literally, when I preach this, like it was probably two years ago, I preached this here. Like Selena's a, she's got a half sister now. You know, like she and Brian and her mom had a baby. Praise the Lord. Did I have any influence? I mean, yeah, but I, it's not like, do you understand what I'm saying, men and women? People are, people are just dying for you to connect at the heart. They want to know that you care more about them than you care about putting a notch on your belt that you shared Jesus with today. When Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Men and women, that's a word for us. God wants to fill you with power. This morning, it doesn't mean that necessarily you're going to speak in tongues, but it would be okay if you did. It doesn't mean that you're going to walk around with a big Bible in your hand and wear a 30 pound cross on your neck. And it doesn't mean any of that. It means that God's going to transform your life so that you can begin to interact with lost people and not condemn them, but just become their friend. And that you can share the good news of who Jesus is in your life in a natural way, supernaturally. And the only way we can do that is when the Holy Spirit is in us and that we are filled up to overflowing. I want to tell you as a last story, the only reason that I'm doing missions, the only reason that I'm traveling 
to Africa most of my life was because my sophomore year in college, my best friend said to me, hey, Mose, let's go on a short-term mission trip. And I said, all right, where do you want to go? And he goes, let's go to Africa. And I said, all right, let's go to Africa. Let's go where all the animals are because I want to see those animals. You know, so it was like Kenya. And so we sign up to go to Kenya with this mission organization. And then he backs out. He gets sick and backs out and leaves me hanging. (laughs) So I end up going to Kenya with some girl in the school that I didn't know. And it was weird. And, And honestly, when I went to Kenya, it was the best and the worst I've ever experienced in my life. I spent eight weeks traveling all over Kenya. And I saw missionaries that treated the Africans like slaves. They would ring a bell. And the little African would come in in their sock feet and almost like saying, yes, Massa. And then I saw missionaries that said, meet my brother, Chamage, Chamage Missing, Jesu. They spoke Kipsigis fluently and they made warm Toll House chocolate chip cookies, all those special chocolate chips that somebody had sent. They didn't just hoard them for the little white people. They gave them out to their African brothers and sisters and said, see, taste this, see how you like this. And I saw life lived out in that experience. And I came away from that experience not going, oh, God's called me to Kenya. I came out there going, man, life happens. And there's some terrible missionaries out there. And there's some fantastic missionaries out there. And I just lived my life. Do you understand? I didn't feel a calling to go to Africa. The next year, my senior year, it was actually my junior year, I'm sorry, when when he first asked me. My senior year, another guy comes and says, would you consider going to Ghana? And I said, where is Ghana? And then I ended up going and living with a Ghanaian family for almost a year. And I fell in love with those people. And they were like my people. My hardest thing that I say to you this morning is living in this country when my heart is for my African brothers. I want to I wanna pour my life into them. I'm not here to open up my wallet and say, here's some money. I hope that fixes your problem. I'm here to say, Stephen, Asaho, I want to I want to walk in the sunset with you. I want you to know you're, you're not alone. I'm going to walk with you. We're going, to, we're going to change the world in Jesus' name, one relationship at a time. Men and women, that's my passion. What about you? What is it that God has called you to life, that God wants you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them? Introverted quiet whisper. He wants to fill you with power this morning that you would be his witness right here in Marietta, in Cobb County, in the state of Georgia. Wherever it is, I can tell you this. Jesus was very serious when he was talking to these disciples on those last words. Wait in Jerusalem, for in a few days you will receive the gift my Father promised and the one which I told you about. John baptized with water, but in a few days 
you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But Lord, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Is God calling you to one of these places? I don't know. Maybe so. Is it dangerous? Yeah. It's no dangerous than living here. You can walk into a McDonald's in America and get gunned down. You can walk into an elementary school and watch some idiot do some atrocity. You can, and we think Africa's dangerous? That's never happened in Africa. Is there danger? Sure. I would rather do what God's calling me to do than to make an excuse that I'm afraid that something's going to happen. Do you understand, men and women? So we're going to close this way today. And I'm going to ask Asaho and Stephen and the ministry team's going to be here. And if you want to be prayed for, we're here to pray for you. But these are the two questions I want to ask you that I think the Holy Spirit would say. So where are you on this continuum? Are you, are you stuck in this place that just says, I got my fire insurance and it's good enough for me? I want to say it's not good enough for you. That God wants to bring you to another place where you say, God, I want to go anywhere you say for me to go. I want to do anything you say for me to do because I want to be faithful to you in whatever that is. I'm not asking you, are you called into foreign missions? But maybe you are, and that's okay too. And the second question I want to ask you today is, are you filled with His Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit in your life? Is there power in your life to overcome sin and to follow him no matter where he says? Those are the questions. Are you willing to go anywhere and do anything? And are you filled with the Spirit? That's it. If you're not, I would encourage you, the people that are up here that want to pray with you, they're not going to condemn you. They're going to pray God's grace and love and power over you. Amen? Would you bow your heads and let's pray together. God, I bless you and thank you for your word. And I pray, God, in this moment, in this sacred, holy moment, as we talk about missions and we talk about short-term opportunities and going to some place, that, God, you're, you want to use us right here, right now, that you want to speak to us, that you want to use us in your kingdom to reach lost people, introverts, pagans. God, you want to use us in simplicity, in friendship. And so, God, I pray that you would take us to a different place today, that we would say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to go anywhere. I want to do anything you ask me to do. If that's you, I I, I ask you to just respond to the Lord today. Allow him to touch you, to speak life over you, that you would receive all that God has for you. Be filled with his Holy Spirit. Let power flow through you in every area. We trust you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.